I know that we have a podcast about TV, but I just have to say, I saw a movie last week that I, it was so good and it surprised me so much. Cool story. Now on to a topic about TV. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Tell us, what was this movie? (laughs) So I went to go see Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Okay. Which... If you remember, I've had a strong hatred for Tom Cruise for almost my entire life. Understandable. <laughs> and I had never seen a Tom Cruise movie before. I've had hmm. people not believe me on that, but I've looked at his whole IMDb and I know until Top Gun Maverick, I've never seen a movie that he's been in. Uh, and you hadn't seen the original Top Gun? No, which hmm. I actually watched after seeing the new movie and I was like... This is horrible. Like, it's so... The the new one is so much more action-driven. Okay. It just was... It was great. It felt like a really good, old-fashioned, like, summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And I know it's attached to a movie that already exists, but, like, it's not superheroes. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just... It was really good. I really liked it. I actually, like, I looked at Tom Cruise in that movie despite all his plastic surgery, and I was like, okay... <laughs> You look pretty good. Like, you're pretty hot in this, in, in like, a very weird way. And his, like, three-inch chunky heels. But <laughs> it was cool. good. I liked it. Important question, though, about Top Gun Maverick. How much volleyball is there? There's no volleyball. Ugh. How? But there, <laughs> there's a football scene. Oh. A how... beach football. Oh, okay. So how gay is that? Um, it's pretty gay (laughs) if i can say so nice that's the answer i was looking for yeah it was like there is a jarring moment during the football scene where miles teller is like shirtless and he's like going like this which no one can see but i'm like gyrating backwards with my arms out to my sides uh and like I just I literally turned to Zach in the theater and I was like, oh, Miles Teller looks good. Like <laughs> I've n- only seen him in like Whiplash and like other stuff where like you don't really get to see what's underneath. And mm. um, yeah, it was but it it was like almost it, it almost looked like his head was on someone else's body. Like there, it felt like there was like it, he shouldn't look like that, but he does like he's just jacked. Hmm. So, interesting. Good for him, I guess. I know, the internet's going wild for him right now. Hmm, well, I've heard nothing but good reviews of this movie. Everyone that I know that has seen it has loved it. So, I have not seen it, but I almost feel like I should. I honestly think, like, anyone listening, go see it. Hmm. It's good. (laughs) There's something about just... There's way more flying in Top Gun Maverick than there is in the original. Like, the flying is stuff is so cool. Hmm. And it's just, like, I don't know. It feels like the movie we need right now in America. (laughs) This is, like, putting an idea in my head about things that we've talked about recently, about, like, TV episodes becoming movie length or, you know, blurring the lines between right. ideas that should have just been movies instead of, like, being TV shows and all this stuff. I feel like Top Gun is the kind of property that someone probably thought, hey, we should make a TV show about this. And somewhere along the line, they probably got stopped because probably. they were like, no, this needs to be on a big screen. This, I think, is the only kind of thing that would, like, 
a movie of this kind of spectacle is the right. reason why cinemas still exist, I guess. So Absolutely. it's good that they didn't bungle it by trying to make it a TV show because I feel like it wouldn't have been as successful. I actually think the TV show we're talking about today would have an awesome movie if it made a movie. I'm and sure in that fact, it would. has several episodes in which they make a movie. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and fun fact, this TV show was originally sort of intended to be a short film when they were filming the pilot. Yes. A, a sort of maybe a couple of short films at first were the practice runs for making the pilot for what would become this show. So nice little transition from that conversation we just had, I guess. Sort of maybe nice. I don't know. You be the judge. But I feel like it was nice. Yeah. We always, I feel like our segues are always great on this podcast. Absolutely. So now let's talk about pineapple. (laughs) No, no, no. Today we are talking about, if you probably couldn't tell from the title, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Thank you. That wasn't my best. But I feel like it it just lacks all the little twinkly stuff going on in the background, too. You don't get the full effect without the whole orchestra there, you know? I thought about chiming in the twinkles, but I just didn't. I didn't want to take away from what you were doing, which is how I always feel every time I try to chime in on a theme song hum. (laughs) I wouldn't have minded one bit if you added those extra accoutrements in the background. (laughs) I actually just was thinking about our American Horror Story intro, Uh like the theme song we did for that, and I went back and listened to it the other day because it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, um, my friend Devin, who has been a guest on the podcast, she said that she always listens to it when she's with her daughter, who's one, <laughs> and um, her daughter likes to dance usually whenever I'm humming, humming theme songs. And um, oh she was gosh. listening to the American Horror Story episode and started to hear the music play. And, you know, I went, dun, 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 dun. And as soon as I did that, her daughter got so upset. Like, she just had this look on her face. I'm like, what just happened? And I feel bad about that. So I'm sorry if I'm making anyone's babies cry, but I don't feel like that happens very often. I hope not. That's hilarious. Uh Uh, So I was wondering, have you ever actually seen any of the short films or the original pilot of the show? I have not seen them full length. I feel like I saw clips from the Mm -hmm. original pilot, which, for those who don't know, the actors who play Mac Dennis and Charlie, Rob McElhenney, Glenn Howerton, and Charlie Day, were friends who were collaborating on this project and just filmed a pilot for the show 
that they had created Mm -hmm. using a handheld camcorder and, you know, shot it in their apartment and around Los Angeles and, you know, made it for zero dollars, basically. And that pilot that they made is what they showed to the executives at Fox whenever they pitched the show. And that was enough for them to pick it up. But anyway, to actually answer your question, I feel like I was watching a featurette of some kind, like a I saw a YouTube, you know, behind the scenes documentary style, you know, short, whatever, talking about the development of the show. And there were clips from that that I remember seeing, but I don't think that I ever saw the whole thing. Have you? So I've definitely seen clips as well, but the thing that stands out to me is that there's a, like an alternate pilot episode with a different woman playing D. Oh, okay. And I honestly, like, no shade to this woman, but I think had they kept her in the role, I don't think the show would have been a success at all. Mm. Like, she's just playing it so, so unbelievably different than how D actually ends up being in the show. Like, she's a little more... I don't know if Valley Girl is the right word, but she's, like, seems like she's intellectualizing the character in a way that like I feel like when Caitlin Olsen does it it feels really like she'll do the same thing but you know the character's an idiot right Mm -hmm. Uh, but the other actress just plays it like in this way that isn't funny at all like it's Mm. almost like she's trying to be the straight man or I don't know it's it's very weird it's definitely interesting to look it up and I think on YouTube you can see like a side-by-side or like a one scene with one, one scene with the other, and see how differently they're like acting in these moments. Okay, interesting. You know what's funny is I remember I was reading stuff earlier, and I saw something about the pilot that they made that said that that woman playing D was Rob McElhenney's girlfriend at the time. Oh. And in between the time that they got picked up and the time that they made the show they broke up or like started making the show they broke up and that's why she was recast um which sounds like it's a good thing right and also hilarious then that rob McElhenney ended up marrying caitlin olsen that's what i was gonna say (laughs) like they did did not know each other before caitlin olsen was cast but yeah wow i feel like most people know this but Charlie is married to the woman who plays the waitress right. in Always Sunny, and Dennis is married to the woman who played his like love interest in the Dennis System episode. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, so they're all just like it's all in the family oh, at right. Always Sunny. Oh. <laughs> uh. uh. Going back to the show's premise, I did just want to explain it a little bit for anyone who may not have seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The series follows a group of friends called The Gang, which consists of two twins, Dennis and Deandra. Their father, Frank, well, not biological father, but the man who raised them, Frank, and their friends, Charlie and Mac, they, uh, um, the four Younger ones, not including Frank, all went to school together and have been friends for many years. They together run a bar that is sort of moderately successful at best at certain times and mostly empty most of the time. That's called Patty's Pub in South Philadelphia. And each of the characters has a a very distinct personality, I would say. Mm -hmm. But overall, they're incredibly unethical. They have terrible habits like drinking and substance abuse, and they will constantly lie, belittle, berate, trick, swindle, con anyone and anything to get what they want. They are all in ruthless self-pursuit of their own meaningless, debauched desires. (laughs) And that 
in itself sounds like a show that no one would want to watch, right? Like everyone on the show, in short, is a horrible person. And, <laughs> and we shouldn't <laughs> like them. We have every reason to just dismiss these people as scum of the earth, people that we would not right. ever want to be associated with, and yet... I personally, and I think most viewers, cannot help but find them endearing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I like it. I mean, when I first started watching it, people would play it at their house in a very similar way to Impractical Jokers. It was a show that was always just thrown on. (laughs) And I hated it because I just, like, it made me feel like scum Mm -hmm. watching it. And then I think I really entered my scum era, and then watching (laughs) Always Sunny made me feel, like, so much better about myself, because I'm like, okay, I might be scum, but I'm not scum like them. (laughs) Uh, If we weren't titling this episode, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 1000% this would be that I entered my scum era. (laughs) But no, I mean, one thing I thought about a lot today, like all like jokes aside, but I think what in my mind, one of the things that I think kind of keeps the show timeless is the fact that these people are so fringe. And I think what I mean by that is like they will address current events, but I feel like they're never really affected by anything in a real way that's happening in the world Mm -hmm. because they are not in the world that like most people live in they are outside of that world like they're on the edge right and so because of that it doesn't matter what's happening like they can just they just maintain who they are and where they are in society like they'll never have enough money to get out of their circumstances they'll never be good people in a way that could get them out and you think about how long it's been on like they've lived through three different presidents Bush, Obama, and Trump, and well, like four now, the four now. Episode that yeah. season, yeah. So like the events that were happening in the real world, as like all those episodes were airing, may have impacted the show in some way, but like ultimately these people are just not affected by anything. So I think that helps. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I I hadn't really thought about the fact that they might not be changing because their circumstances in life are not changing, but I think that's a good way to put it. They are struggling to survive, basically, getting by on, you know, whatever scraps they can each split from this unsuccessful bar. And when you really are living paycheck to paycheck, month to month like that, it's, you don't have the luxury of really growing and changing that much (laughs) as a person because your circumstances aren't growing and changing. You're just stuck in that same cycle of poverty (laughs) if we can go there. And as depressing as that might be, that's really what it's all about. No, I guess we shouldn't say complete abject poverty because Frank is wealthy and just chooses to live this life of debauchery because he played it straight for so many years and has decided to bankroll all of the gang's Mm -hmm. terrible ill-advised schemes and their, you know, drug and alcohol habits and all of that. He's really the only reason that Patty's pub stays afloat. But I think for the rest of them, it's 
it's something that I hadn't really considered before, that they are really just cartoon characters. Like, they can't be fully foreign versions of humans because their station in life does not afford them that luxury. Well, I'm, I'm glad I surprised you. <laughs> you did. <laughs> One thing I do want to come back to that you mentioned about, though, is whatever was happening in the world is not really affected. The circumstances of the show itself, the setting of the show itself, things like that. It, I think at certain points they have picked up on things that were happening in the real world and turned them into storylines. Th that's not usually what they do, but I think when they've seen opportunities to use that effectively, they have. I'm thinking in particular of the first episode of season 15, where they basically do a 2020 year in review, where they come back after two years of not you know, producing the show because of the pandemic. And the whole episode is basically what the gang did in 2020. So they, uh, I think it was Mac and Dennis, were partially responsible for the delay of the vote count in Philadelphia during the November 2020 election. Dee and Charlie were responsible for some of the costumes that were worn to the um, Capitol riots on January 6th of 2021. And then... <laughs> Frank was responsible for a certain hair dye incident that took place in front of the Four Seasons Landscaping Company uh, with a, with one Rudy Giuliani. So they're you know mm -hmm. they kind of tied all of these you know fake storylines together in a very Forrest Gump way that I thought was really clever and kind of a departure for the show yeah. from what they normally would do, but I thought was just really smart and a very fun way for them to encapsulate all of the things that had right. gone on in the world that really were unavoidable, right? If you are making a show like this, I feel like these are characters who would be affected in some way by all the stuff that is going on. And while it doesn't necessarily say all of the ways that the characters were affected, it at least right. lets us know where they were during all these things that were happening and you know i thought it was fun in that way and also a, a cool way for the show to keep its Definitely. format fresh after 15 years and it's just proof that i think the show can take on anything and do anything and maybe in hindsight it wasn't always the smartest way that it could have been done but there is right. always intention there and always a sense of what else can we do how can we continue to keep the show feeling fresh in today's media landscape i think one thing we keep kind of dancing around here is the fact that the show has definitely done some things that would absolutely never be done on tv in 2022 correct but what is kind of remarkable about it is that it has survived the kind of cancel culture revolution that's happened despite mm -hmm. all of those things and a lot of what's written about the show kind of centers on that because I think most people who are writing about the show in like kind of a critic's mindset they all praise it for the fact that it has maintained relevancy and hasn't been canceled and they talk you know about the various reasons why that is but I was wondering why do you think it's survived in a time where so many other people and shows and things have been quote-unquote canceled? Right. I think for me, going back to something I just said, it has always been that they've been very intentional about what they were doing. And I think of like other shows that sort of fit in that same 
vein, uh, like that I think of as sort of lesser shows, no shade, but like <laughs> a workaholics or like yeah, a yeah. Letterkenny or something like that. That's not quite as, it's not quite as smart in the writing, let's be honest, but you know, it's just kind of like dirtbags, maybe low lifes in some people's yeah. view that, you know, those shows haven't been as impactful or lasted as long because there wasn't that societal perspective being shared even though on it's always sunny it's it's never right in your face right that looks like they're not usually trying to force any kind of opinion down anyone's throat in anything that they say or do but it's all there if you kind of put the pieces together you know you you see what they are talking about what they are referencing and how it ties into the real world that we are living in in the character's world and I don't think other shows have done that as well so I think because they have that ability to identify what they have done wrong, <laughs> you know, when they have made missteps and that they have actually taken steps to correct it, that's helped the show to stay on the air. At the same time, I think there's also just an opinion about the show that it doesn't matter what they do, it will just be that crazy show that's willing to push any kind of boundary and they'll see the line and they will walk over it and not really care what people think. I don't think that's yeah. fully true, but I think that's the perception of the show is, oh, that's just always sunny. It's what they do. In a way, right. it feels untouchable by cancel culture. I don't think it's a, a neat, clean answer as to why it's lasted through other shows that have... Well, I mean, I guess I can't really think of any shows that have just been outright canceled because, right. uh, you know, of... It's more just like individuals, that, uh, Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the individuals have not been canceled for sure. You know, they're right. all still working and having these prolific careers. And I don't think that anyone is tying the sins of the show to those individual people and saying Rob McElhenney is a bad person because he wrote a show and he did blackface and all that stuff. Right. Like, it shouldn't have happened, sure, and he realizes that. But I don't think that it was ever done from a place of, like... Hate. Right. Yes. It was just these yeah. crazy characters well, can do anything. Exactly what I was going to say is that, like, I think one of the protections they have is that the characters are so solidly bad people. Right. And the show is so smart that, you know, most people watching, I think, know, like, this show is not racist. The show is has a character that is totally unaware of like how wrong what he's do like what he's doing is right if that makes sense so or is aware of it and just doesn't care because he is so caught exactly. up in his own selfish desires right <laughs> exactly i found a really cool quote it it kind of relates to cancel culture but it's also just you know the show like not even things that it could be canceled for but i feel like the show will touch topics that no other show will really touch and i read this article by indie wire that talks about their musical episode mm. the nightman cometh and how mm -hmm. it's all just sort of about pedophilia in a weird way like <laughs> charlie's <laughs> pedophilia experiences in a in a way right. uh, but they had a quote that i wanted to read that says Sonny's famous musical episode really shouldn't work. Bringing Charlie's play on pedophilia to life is risky, to say the least, but it's certainly original. From the play's premise to its music to the downer ending, nothing about the episode should feel familiar. Originality and creativity go hand in hand. And I think that that's such an apt 
description of what makes the show so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it will touch on these subjects. Like, even today, there's a few seasons, a few of the recent seasons I haven't seen, and I was just looking through episode titles, and there's an episode title for season 15, The Gang Carries a Corpse Up a Mountain. <laughs> right. And it's just, like, stuff like that that you would never even think it would never even cross your mind. And it's just so, it really can creatively do whatever it wants. There's also what, Sweet D gets stuck in a bog or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like Yeah, those last few episodes of season 15, the gang went to Ireland and was mm -hmm. there for the remainder of the season. And, you know, there are these storylines playing out of why they are there and all that. And that also goes back to the show being able to try different things and move things forward without ever really losing its sense of what it is. And, you know, the show had never really traveled like that before. I think the furthest they'd gone was Atlantic City, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I think whenever you have multiple episode story arcs like that for the first time, really, in 15 seasons... That's mm -hmm. This is a show that is now looking at itself long-term. It's been renewed through season 18. I know. Right? So, like, we are getting three, mo at least three more seasons of it, and probably more than that. It could go on forever, as I said earlier. But this show is constantly reinventing itself without actually reinventing itself. And mm -hmm. I think that's just so brilliant. One thing that always surprises me, though, despite, you know, how long it's been around, is the fact that it has never really gotten any awards show attention. Nope. I think it's been nominated three times for stunt coordination At for an Emmys. Emmy. Yeah. And that's it. And I, I get it. On one hand, like, it's not a very awardsy kind of show. But I do think, like, some of the acting performances on that show are comedically so good, especially D. Like, mm -hmm. D is, like, a national treasure, I think. I think she, she is, is one of... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I think we're probably going to say the same thing. <laughs> I think she might be the most gifted physical female comedian working today. Like, I 100% agree. Just her facial expressions, for one thing, but, like, the way that she will fully commit to <laughs> bits. I just always yeah. think all the time of, like, she was wearing these heels that were too high for her in a fancy, you know, boutique store one time, and, like, she was shoplifting or whatever, I don't remember. But anyway, she, like, runs out the door in these heels and, like, immediately crashes through the door and run, falls head first into a car that's parked outside. And so few people, I think, could make it as funny as she makes it. One thing I always say to Zach, like, I always joke with him all the time, because one time randomly in the past, I said something to him in a really, like, funny way, and he was like, you should have been an actress. Like, you're so, like, funny. And then he doesn't remember ever saying that. But <laughs> I bring up to him all the time that, like, I feel like I could be a really good like actress which I don't actually believe but I tease him about it all the time and the other day he like snapped at me and he was like you'd be like sweet D on Always Sunny uh, <laughs> just so awkward and I'm like that's a compliment I would love if I was as talented as sweet D on Always Sunny right I think all of the acting is so good though because each of those characters is so distinct and like I don't know how much of because the guy's wrote it all themselves, how much of themselves right. goes into those characters. But I don't think it's 
that much because yeah. like I mean who would <laughs> want to be, be? <laughs> right who would want to be associated <laughs> with those characters but that's another thing too like you have 15 seasons so far of this show and the characters for the most part are the same as they were mm-hmm. on day one if anything just worse and the only one that I would say has really had a journey of transformation has been Mac, who in Mm -hmm. season 12 finally admitted that he was gay after it kind of being a running joke for a long time, which, you know, looking back the way they handled it, it it was, everyone knew that he was gay and there were comments made all the time and everything. And, you know, I think the show finally realized that it wasn't funny to just like say, haha, someone's gay. And the humor became more about the ways that he tries to cover things up or the way that he's totally oblivious to this or not acknowledging it, all that kind of stuff. But then you also have an episode at the end of season 13 in that finale, Mac finds his pride, where Mac realizes that he's not going to fully be able to live his life as a gay man until he comes out to his father and deals with acknowledging who he truly is. And in a very harsh departure, I guess I would say, from the show's typical style, the last few minutes of this episode is an elaborate interpretive dance routine that Mac <laughs> does with a woman who is portraying God. And this whole dance is like very serious, beautiful, incredibly moving dance that is symbolizing Mac wrestling with his religion, with you know everything that has consumed his character for his entire life. And again, the fact that the show was willing to take a chance like that and do something that you would never expect and pull it off and kind of complete that character's journey, that I think is just amazing. It is. Uh, Going back to the awards thing too, the fact that the show never got any kind of recognition for its writing, I think is such a crime because they have just plain old hilarious episodes for one thing, but the ways that they can do stuff like that and make it all make sense for the show is very few shows I think on the air today can still do that kind of stuff I was just thinking as you were talking about one way I feel I feel like they really subtly 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 (laughs) subtly the B is not Uh, silent okay thank you (laughs) Uh, one way that they subtly (laughs) Uh, poked fun at award shows. I mean, they have a whole episode where they're like competing the best, I think it's the best bar episode, which Mm -hmm. pretty directly is drawing parallels with like award show stuff. But I also think about the whole season where Mac gained all the weight. Mm -hmm. That to me feels like another really direct kind of punch at like award shows because all of these actors that do these crazy transformations always get awards show recognition, whether or not they really did a good job. Sometimes I feel, I feel like it's just like, oh, they lost 50 pounds. Let's give them an award. But I think even at this point, like the fact that the show is about characters that are so on the fringes and not a part of mainstream society, really, it sort of makes sense that the Mm-hmm. Like, that the show does not get the kind of mainstream attention that would garner it awards. Like, it would almost feel disingenuous if the show, right. you know, racked up Emmy after Emmy, because it's not about people who, like, care anything at all about the Emmys or what is winning <laughs> Emmys. It's right. about, you know, just 
low-life dirtbags, and that's okay. <laughs> oh, one thing I did want to mention, too. Unlike some other shows that might feature some low-life dirtbags, there is a very clear trajectory for each character about why they are a low-life dirtbag. Like, all of them yeah. have had horrible upbringings. There has been terrible <laughs> trauma in each of yeah. their lives, really, that has resulted in them becoming the awful person that they are today. And of course, not all of their horrible behavior can be traced back to a bad upbringing. There are a lot of faulty but... personality <laughs> traits and, and, you know, addictions and things <laughs> like that. But I think the ways that they have grown those backstories over the seasons so that you get a full picture of who this person is and why they are that way is just right. it's something that most people don't really think about like it's been done in such a way where it's not like you were ever really getting an origin story for anybody too much but it all accumulates over time to the right. point where it's like oh i know why mac is so repressed it's because he didn't get any love from his father or his mother and you know he was had religion shoved down his throat his whole life and or you know found it at whatever point he found it and you know yeah. it's worked for him to fill that void that he wasn't getting from his parents you know stuff like that like there's just so much so many psychological underpinnings of everything that happens on the show that i don't think most people really call out or notice most of the mm -hmm. time and you know you can ignore that for sure and just enjoy the stupid schemes and stuff that these characters are always trying to pull but i would love to have someone do like a full in-depth psychological analysis of all these characters and maybe someone already <laughs> has but like it, it could be studied academically there's the episode where they go see the psychologist and they're all drinking the canned wine oh right wine in a soda can true and at yes. the at, at, is that the inter it might be the intervention episode or maybe those are maybe they see the same psychologist in two different settings i yeah. can't remember mm -hmm. do you want it to continue forever <laughs> I will say I will keep watching it as long as it is the Always Sunny that we have always known. You know, it's, yeah. like I said, it has grown and changed in a way over time, but has not strayed from, you know, the central conceit. The characters mm. have not become totally different people. The characters have not learned anything, <laughs> really, <laughs> over time. So I think as long as the show can keep doing what it's doing while still finding new territory to mine and still being as creative as it has always been and as smart as it has always been i'll watch it as long as they want to make it yeah. and that's basically what the executives at the network say too they're mm -hmm. like as long as they feel creatively fulfilled and they're pumping out you know this kind of content they can stay as long as they want <laughs> right well <sighs> if you haven't watched it's always sunny in philadelphia i think our take-home message is Go do it. Go watch it. <laughs> yep. Um, also, I wanted to mention, I don't think I threw this in earlier, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the longest-running sitcom in U.S. Mm -hmm. television history. Not by number of episodes, but by length of time that has been on the air. On the air. Since 2005. Oh, live action, I guess. You can call Simpsons or Family Guy, South Park, a sitcom as well, but all animated and therefore cheating when it comes to longevity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's always sunny just the little show that could and hopefully For will real. forever <laughs> well we always say at the end of an episode Thank you for listening. And also, please go follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast and TikTok at Televisionary Pod. If you are newly listening to this episode, thanks for joining us. We've got quite a catalog of episodes. I think we've got like 
I don't want to say it and be wrong, but I know on Squadcast specifically, we've recorded something like 40 hours of content. Have we? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, some of that gets edited away, but there's like so much to listen to out there. So go check it out. Yeah. And no matter how you have found us, we thank you. We've been loving all of the support we've gotten on TikTok lately. It's been great to see people engaging with us there and um, coming across some of our content. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) It is content. It it is content. Yes. Um, But hopefully if you are just finding us now, you are open to exploring everything else that we are doing. And we thank you for listening and hope that You'll stick around. Yeah. Well, I've been Elena Hillard. And I have been Cody Hoffman. Thank you so much. And I hope you have an always sunny day. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for listening to Televisionary. If you like what you heard, share this episode with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram at Televisionary Podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Bye.